And we're on the air in five, four, three, two, one. Pencil. We are beginning to be able, cautiously and with our eyes open, to encourage some interchange of ideas. We have to start thinking about tomorrow. I've heard that somewhere. Okay, yeah. this is what this is. You know, so. Yeah. All right, so let's just jump in right away. Uh, this is the Here You Are Wasa podcast. I'm your one of your hosts, Dino. And I'm Eric. And we brought uh, our good friend, my good friend Brad Schoth on the podcast. Um, Brad and I have known each other for a long time. And uh, so we decided we wanted to talk about technology. And uh, so we, we thought Brad would be fun to bring along. And I feel like this is what I'm always, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the resident expert to be brought on. It seems like when this is the topic. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. Got a lot to live up to. I, so I think the deal is, yeah. What was the last pod? Did you do one with us? No, you did one. Did you do an insufficient with us once? Yeah, I've done like two or three of those. I feel like okay, um, all right. That was a while ago already. Yeah, so. I, yeah. We haven't they haven't done that podcast in, in years, so that's kind of fun. But uh, so uh, we we started off. To, we were before we started. We were talking about Skype a little bit and how. And I was saying I feel like it's a finished technology, like. Skype doesn't need to roll out any more features and it doesn't need to add anything else to itself. It's, it's no. sort of perfect at what it does. Well, you know, it's ubiquitous when like CNN is using it for voice, you know, for video interviews and stuff like that. So at that point, I think that means your technology has has reached, reached where you wanted it to be. If mainstream media is using it on television on a daily basis, it's, I think you're. I think you're done. Yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. Eric. Yeah, that's just a bad thing, though. I mean, if you're done, where you you've got to innovate. You've got to keep moving forward. Otherwise, you're going to fall by the wayside until somebody new comes along with something better. So that and, so, there's, and there's always those people. So that brings me to, to the to my thing with technology right now. Do we really have to do that? Don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around a corner. Like, do what? Do, do do we need does do we need to keep adding layers and, and baubles and features, or can it just be that this is what we do and we do this better than everyone else, and as a result, you'll pay two dollars and ninety nine cents a month for it. How do you think? How do you think Henry Ford would have answered that question? We got to get rid of those fucking horses. But if you're going to stick with the status quo, you'd never progress. You never make something. You never build that bigger, better machine. I think there's some sort of happy, happy medium in there, um, where you know I think a. Uh, not only a good business practice, but just in terms of what we want to do with tech is to constantly try to put yourself out of business. Um, and I think in regards to a lot of companies that are out there today, they are trying to do that, but at the cost of, you know, at what cost, I guess. And that's kind of, I feel like where the discussion is, you know, does Apple putting a single port on a MacBook 
continue to innovate to put themselves out of business, if you want to frame it that way, or does it say, hey, we can do whatever it is that we want, regardless of what the customers are asking for, and you're still going to buy the $1,200 MacBook, and we'll disguise it as being bold or leading the way. So I think there's like this in-between that we could probably probably find um, where, you know, what I would rather have attention, and specifically in Apple's case, focusing on other things and improving technologies that are already, that still need to be further developed or, or things that we're asking for saying, hey, we would like batteries that last longer. Um, you know, those there's other things that you could work on besides taking features away from us in order to say we're doing a completely wireless um, situation. You know, if if it if the technology, if the te- if you take a technology away and make it less convenient for people to use or less convenient for people to access, I feel like that's not the correct path to be going down. Very true. So so. It- Explain just really quick, because I, I, I'd like to know a little bit more about this idea of innovating to put yourself out of business. Expa- yeah, expand mean, on I, that a little bit, because that seems counterintuitive well, to me. Well, I think it just it's the idea of continuing to to be the ones that that get there before somebody else does. I mean, if you stand. If you stand around and wait for somebody else to like Eric was saying, come up with the next thing, your company gets gets left in the dust. Um, and I think, I'm, I'm trying to think of specific examples, but we've seen that time and time again where, hey, that company was the gold standard for a long time, but then they just sort of stopped, sort of gave up, and other companies came and usurped them when if that company had continued to innovate, continued to to push forward and tried to put, and tried to put themselves out of business, and it's not, you know, I don't mean it in like, you know, we're literally going to <laughs> do something that would that would hurt, you know, our business, but continuing to innovate to the point where, okay, we're not going to get passed by the, by the next guy because we're already in that space. Um, and so I think if if companies continue to try to do that, uh, let's say let's take this is not a great example, but let's take Amazon buying Whole Foods, right? Okay, they don't need to do that. They dominate the space that they're already in. They've dominated. They're dominating the retail space, killing, killing brick and mortar retail. They don't need to enter into grocery to continue to crush it. But why are they doing it? Because they see that as a segment where they can also add value. It may be a huge gamble that may not pay off for them, but they're constantly trying to add that next thing to grow their business. Where they they could sit on what they've already accomplished. Um, so I think just things like that, where you see companies go out and and take those those gambles, is you know that that's what we're look that's what that's what innovation feels like to me, I guess. Okay, that makes I, sense. And to I me, think yeah. and I think Snap is a good example too. I mean, if you segmented Snap from what Snapchat was when it came out to what it is now, and used that to say, okay, we essentially put ourselves out of business had we stuck with this original model. You know, they've grown, they've matured into what they are now, but they've done that by continuing to innovate in their circle. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense to me now. I just, I sort of, I guess I, I wasn't catching the original concept when 
we just started. But yeah, that makes sense to me. So, so can can you guys come up with a, an example of a company that we'll say was, you know, crushing it to to use the the phrase, and then just sort of didn't innovate and then died. I mean, there's there's millions of them, but like, does something come to mind that you thought, well, that that's never that's going to be a great thing forever. Um, I think it'd be you could look back at. I mean, if, I think if you think about all the the great companies in tech that we talk about now, you can think of their predecessors and say, well, why did those predecessors fail? Why did MySpace fail when? Well, okay, maybe Facebook was a better idea, but Facebook also did something completely different in that space. Whereas MySpace just said, this is what we are. We never, you know, they didn't want it. It never. They never got to a point where they felt like. You know, your mom and your grandma and your aunt are going to have a MySpace that they they never they never put themselves in a position to 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 grow like that. Or, or let's say Google, they weren't the first ones to that space, right? But they did it in a way where, hey, we're going to try all these new products, um, things that Google has has started and just ended up killing on its own. But at least they went out there and they they tried to do it. Um, you know, Google Plus. No, I don't know anybody that uses Google Plus, but they put themselves out there to try to to do it. Or, or Google Wave, or all those different things, those different products that they tried that just sort of of went away. They could have just sat and said, "Well, we have the best. We have the best search engine. We have Gmail. You know, we have YouTube. We're good." Um, you know, so and no, and honestly, no one remembers those failures that they had. <laughs> <laughs> like we remember them, but like no one really cares. No one says, "Well, you know, Google's less of a company because they tried Wave and Wave failed, or they tried Google Plus and Google Plus didn't really do a whole lot." Um, I think just those companies that put them put themselves and Apple did it to a certain extent for a long time. You know, they said that this is the direction that people that we feel like people will want to go in. BlackBerry didn't. BlackBerry didn't see that that's, you know, they didn't innovate. They didn't constantly try to put themselves out of business. They said, we have a great product that every businessman on Wall Street uses, and that's where it stopped. They never they never continued to push. So they got passed up by somebody else, and now they're effectively dead in a lot of ways. Um, so I think just taking the mindset of constantly trying to put yourself out of business before somebody else does is the best way to continue to to grow or to continue to innovate in tech i think twitter's at the cusp of that you know where do you go do you do you fall off the radar or do you innovate then well they've become but they've got i think that ubiquity too so it's like you know everybody knows about it whether or not you're using it right um but I, i agree with you i think they're at a position where you know not only that but their platform is one that is set up you know, it has a lot of it has a lot of failings in it, and that it's not it's not aggregated, and it's not you know they've they've had so it's it's more it's such a free forum that they're having that issue of having accessibility to you know the housewife or whoever you know like that person isn't going to inherently jump on Twitter because of the type of they're they're. What is so great about them is also at the same time holding them back, I guess, if that makes sense. 
And they're in that same Apple mentality where, you know, we're Twitter, we can do what we want. We're Apple, we can do what we want. And people are going to come along for the ride and they're not listening to their customer base. And it's yeah. hurt them in a lot of ways over the years. But is it so just because I like both of them, isn't the difference that Apple has like $2 billion cash on hand and Twitter sounds like it's never been profitable? I mean, sure. I mean, know. they're able to, they're definitely able to take more chances because of the track record that they have. Um, but, you know, they sell physical products. It's a completely right. different space. Oh, it is. Yeah, I know. True. So, I, so let's talk about Twitter a little bit just because it's fun. So, when did you sign up for Twitter, Brad? Oh, man. That was a while. I, probably 2009, maybe. And why did Something you sign like up? That. Why did you sign up? Um, because it was just kind of the new, the new social media. Um, I mean, I signed up for like Google Plus and stuff too, and um, but I think it's just because it was the new space. I liked the idea of having that sort of um, free conversation and those quick little, quick little snippets, those quick little um, thoughts, and then the accessibility. I think toward to other people it didn't feel like such a gated space where it was like um everybody's here together i can tweet at whoever whoever i want um and i think that is what's still great about twitter uh but they also have to deal with the other end of the coin of the all the all the cons that come with having it a free you know open space um you know and they're seeing that with with how toxic it can get on twitter so, um, I, I don't know. I think, I think what makes it great is also its biggest downfall, but yeah, that was the reason I signed up. So in 2009, where were you? I forget. I was here, uh, okay. in Wausau. Um, yeah, okay. I don't know. It just, uh, I, I guess I don't remember the reason why it just sort of seemed like it made sense to me. Like I got it. Um, once I saw it, I, I sort of saw, um, why, what, what I like, you know, what was good, what was fun about it, what right. was cool about it. Um, and it's, but I guess that leads into what we've been saying is that it's pretty much that same platform that it's been since 2009 and earlier. <laughs> it's the same thing, um, which is great. It's classic, but they, the reason they're not profitable and the reason that it, nobody wants to invest in Twitter is because it doesn't, where is where does it go? It's not, they haven't been able to attract somebody to say like, well, we see where this country, this company is headed in, in 10, 15 years. It's the same product that it's been for 10 years of existence or whatever it is at this point. So when, when did you get on Eric? 2006. Really? I believe so. Yeah. I just checked my Twitter birthday and I got on in 2008. And I know that I didn't understand Twitter for the first year I was using it. I think it just came out in like 2005, didn't it? I have no idea. I think I was, I thought it was 2005. Yeah, I was, I was just, just sort of along for the ride. March 19th of 2009 for me. Yeah. So yeah, I was right. Right. So like I, I Marcus, spe- Marcus Nelson. Yeah. You'll appreciate that. Marcus Nelson said, you know, this is going to be the next big thing. Got to get on it. Got to check it out. Right. So I did. 
that was that. Didn't use it for a few years, but I had that account. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I got on and I just remember sitting there going, "What the holy fuck is that? Why do I care?" You know. And the thing was, like, I didn't. It. I had. I had a BlackBerry at the time, and uh, and it just sort of didn't make. I was like, I don't. I don't get this. And then one year I was in Vegas for a conference, and all of a sudden I started getting tweets related to the conference regarding parties in hotel rooms, and then I just went. Oh, this is what this is for. Okay. And then from that point on, I'm like, yeah, okay, this kind of makes sense to me. I can use this for communication, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, I remember at one point it was, you know, Ashton Kutcher. Hey, Ashton's on Twitter. And I'm like, right. I don't give a shit. You know, Shaq's <laughs> on Twitter. Okay. Good for him. I don't, like, did he ask me a question? No, he didn't. All right. Well, good. Then it's nice that he's on Twitter. I don't, you know, seven of my friends are are on Twitter and, that's it, you know, so, yeah, I think until it, it sort of, like, I still don't think Twitter is prevalent in central Wisconsin. Well, it was that thing, that that's what made it so great, though, is you're saying you don't give a shit, but that was why it was so attractive. Oh, yeah. It was like, that, like, you didn't have that gated community. You had Shaq or whoever it was could go on, put their thoughts in, tweet out whatever they wanted, and you could just choose to follow them or interact with them, where that didn't, I mean... In what way did that exist previously? Like you went to Shaq's website, right? Like I, you know, like it was there was no like platform to just have that sort of open forum. So I think that's what was what was so great about it. And I still think Twitter is the best platform for live events. It's still, as far as news things happening right now, live sporting events, any sort of breaking news that's happening. Um, I still think it's the best platform for that because it's so real time. Right. I think that that's, it's obviously, you know, as far as the iPhone penetrating or, you know, it's, it's a native app now on an iPhone. Like it's, it comes built in the iPhone. So that, that indicates to me that, all right, so that seems to be a giant force, you know? And when, when I look for news, if I, like, if I get up and I you know, something's happening in the world if I check TV. And then after that, I like immediately go to Twitter and try to find out what the hell's going on. You know, so I think Twitter's like the first, I think Twitter's the first thing I check in the in the morning, actually, too. Now that I think about it. Yeah, so. So but how do you, but I guess the idea is how do you, you know, that they haven't really they've tried so many different ways to monetize it and they've tried different ways to get people interested in investing it in, in it and it's essentially the same platform as it was in 2009 there's very few changes which is great but as a you know as a tech company that's why they're sort of just spinning their wheels right now and doesn't feel like they're going anywhere no but they do have new round icons so yes <laughs> Lots of round lines and different gray shades. There's lots of there's lots of things happening. So here innovation, right? So my my question is, again, I, I keep coming back to the same idea because Eric and I were talking about this with uh, the Apple keynote that just happened, and so we'll, we can talk about it in the context of Twitter or any sort of social media platform. At at some point, what I mean, I don't honestly know what more Twitter can do, like. I thought Periscope was a fascinating idea. And then I 
lost interest in that in, in 10 days or whatever it was. But at some point, Twitter obviously is still significant because it's part of the scrolling news cycle on CNN. It's, again, it's ubiquity. Is, 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 does that indicate it's successful? Is it successful? Uh, well, it, I, I think you could look at it both ways. I don't think it feels as much like the fresh... I mean, think about how you feel about Facebook. Like, Facebook is a massive, a massive, massive, massive company at this point that is pretty much ubiquitous in society. Yeah. And they will probably continue to be there in that space for the next 20 years. But does it feel like the new cool thing to you? No. No. Exactly. So it's like, that's it's sort of the game that we play for people that care about technology pay attention to technology facebook doesn't feel new and fresh but at the same time is being you know people that are not as maybe involved in the space that we're involved in or it would have not have a podcast regarding technology it feels like an amazing platform to them um so we have to try to i think we have to try to remember that we are of a unique we are the people that had blackberries for the sake of having blackberries in 2007 or 8 or whatever it was because we wanted to try it we were the people that jumped on twitter in 2008 and 2009 2006 instead of waiting until 2013 when it really caught on you know what i mean um so we have to remember the lens that we're looking at things through also and that's also how we started this conversation. You know, is Skype relevant or is it successful to the point that it doesn't need to continue innovating? Maybe Facebook, maybe Twitter are along those same lines. Maybe this is where they plateau and this is how we use them moving forward. So so to, to talk to the Skype idea for, for just a second. So I think that there becomes this sense of, for me, this idea that there are things that are tools like screwdrivers or hammers. Mm-hmm. So in the in the in the podcasting space, Skype is is ubiquitous and it is a sort of a universally recognized tool where Skype to Skype phone calls are regarded as best. There's very little audio loss in in these calls. There's very little signal loss in these calls. So much so that there is a large space of software developers that go into creating Skype plugins so that podcasters can record Skype calls. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, so as we talk about innovation, the space that it's in, you know, right now there's, this is a moment for podcasting. So there's most brands out there are creating some form of audio podcast or video podcast, and they're using these tools. And so as the, the, for example, GarageBand in, in our, in my podcasting process, GarageBand has changed a few times. And I use uh, an outdated form or an outdated version of GarageBand because the new versions of GarageBand don't do the things that I want them to do. And as a result, I choose to use an older tool. So Skype making a change, making an innovation to be innovative is would be taking a risk. Ta- you know, changing their technology would inherently take make a, a risk because there are millions and millions of podcasters who use this product. When was Skype purchased? It's in Microsoft. Microsoft owns Skype, yeah. correct? 
I think that was less than ten. I thought it was less than three years ago, but we all have the okay. Skype. Skype feels like one of those companies that bigger com- like, and this is basically what happened: that a bigger company purchased it because the technology because it did that technology very well, and so they purchased that company to use it. Then that sort of tech instead of that brand name, they right. use that tech. Two thousand eleven and everything else that they do. So, seeing, I don't know, I, I don't know exactly what they're doing as far as. Um, with the Xbox, but that was the biggest thing when Skype was purchased is like, we're going to see this on the Xbox and you're going to be able to do a picture in picture and play with your friend that also be able to, you know, see them at the same time that you're doing it. Um, or incorporating all the voice over IP technology that Skype was kind of the biggest player in. Yeah. Um, but I don't see Skype as like, I don't think of Skype, I guess, as like, you know, I don't think of them as like this big conglomerate company that's pushing tech. It just felt like it was they were the first ones to do this sort of technology really well. They were the first ones to do the the Jetsons phone really well. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and then they just sort of got bought up by somebody else who needed to use that technology. And they said, hey, who's the best at doing it? Well, Skype. Okay, well, we'll just take that then. Um, yeah, they got bought in May of 2000. It's weird how these companies fall into these different little right. Oh, places. yeah, yeah. So they got bought in May of 2011. And without Googling, anybody know? Just can you uh, estimate how much the, the purchase price was? I was shocked. Oh, man, to see that's this. a good question. I was shocked to see this $2.6 Do you? I'll just, Eric or Brad, over, under, 2.6? Uh... I would go over eight point five billion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy balls! That Jesus, that's ridiculous. But you know, when you think about it, Skype is is. When I was at family planning, we used Skype extensively because we were we were trying to figure out, like you were talking about, voice over IP. And so mm-hmm. when we would travel, that like we had the 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 plan where you could Skype to landline for whatever it costs, $2 a month or 99 cents a month. And so like when we'd get to the hotel, we had the ability to, you know, receive and take calls for work and stuff like that. And it was, it was remarkably fun. And I just imagine that, you know, like you did the Thailand trip recently or wait, where did you yeah. just, yeah, you just did the Thailand yeah. trip. You know, mm-hmm. I would imagine if you had Skype, you could call ev- anywhere you wanted to. Well, I was just thinking about this when you're saying it is that at least in my experience when I was there, um, nobody has like a phone number. Right. Um, everybody uses an app or there's a few apps. So like WhatsApp or other um, – the app that they use the most is called Line. Um, and it it's effectively you know their version of WhatsApp. But nobody has a phone number. It's just even a lot of even smaller businesses that are mom and pop type places – Everybody just uses add, you know, this business online and you get a hold of them that way. And it's not only because it's much cheaper, but it's just sort of with the the technology that they have, it's just much easier. Um, there's 4G everywhere. SIM cards cost nothing. And it's just way easier to add people on, on an app, um, you know, when everybody has a phone at this point, then it is to just have a dedicated phone number. Um, so a lot of the places do, but you know, people, a lot of people don't, I mean, the most popular, um, 
SIM card plan there had nothing to do with voice. It was all just give me buckets of data and that's all I need. I will fi- I have I can talk to all my friends via you know an app. I don't need I don't need text messaging. I don't need voice. I'm blown um, away. It was it was definitely it was definitely a different experience, but when you can buy 100 minutes for a dollar online um like that what what else do you as much as we actually have phone conversations um person to person today like doesn't make sense to have voice at least not in a um a country like that i guess um but i think we i think it still exists in the united states because of the amount of areas that are still underserved as far as internet goes or as far as um wireless goes and it's just sort of what we're used to but i'm telling you anybody under the age of 25 there doesn't use it okay so i I have a follow-up question so what drives some i have a bunch of follow-up questions so when you went over there did was did your phone were you able to just pop a sim card in it yeah it takes five minutes okay um so you walk up to i had an unlocked my unlocked note five right you walk up to the the desk. They have here's the four different plans that you could pick um, as far as SIM cards. And there's like two or three different companies that are the major carriers there. You say I want. You point at the one that you want. It takes five minutes to swap your SIM card in and out, and you're on 4G LTE. Um, it's literally that easy. And you, I paid probably I was there for two weeks. I paid probably 20 bucks for a bucket of data. So um, okay. it's really that it's really that easy. It's 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 almost too easy okay so then this is the this is the obvious you know white guy in america question so when you were in an urban area if you wanted to make say a hotel reservation or order a pizza or make a dinner reservation how how does that happen well you can still make the phone calls um which they're there is difficult because then you're trying to cross a language barrier. Right, um, sure. But you can you can contact any business through most of the apps. Like a lot of the you know the businesses that will have actual phone numbers, but um, they still have a presence. Um, we try we rented motorbikes, um, and the easiest way to contact that that place to figure out what they had was either WhatsApp or Line. It was easy. They, that's what they preferred. So if you read their review on Google or TripAdvisor or any of those um, sites, it would say literally, "Here's our name to contact us on on this on this platform." You type them a message, and they respond back to you in like 30 seconds instead of actually calling um, that place. And to me, it makes total sense. I mean, if I'm looking to see if a business is open or I'm looking to see where a business is located, is it, I, I don't. Like I don't call them. I look on Google and it says here their hours are eight to eight, and I'm that's it. Like I don't need, I don't need to call them. I'm good. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it was very, very. I, I've, I thought we lived in a phone addicted culture. Spend any amount of time in Asia, and you will realize that we are nowhere close. It is not even close to as much as they, they are on their phones. Um, you would see, I mean, you would, you'd walk past you'd, cops who were patrolling this intersection in security booths that were on Facebook. 
you could see that they're clearly just on Facebook. It's it's so the culture there is so different as far as the technology. They have so access to so many different phones that are coming from China or Korea or any of those places um, that it's just everyone has it. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little speechless. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I mean, when you read a list of who has the fastest internet connections in the world, it's never... It's it's like Korea, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's never... <laughs> It's never, uh, never Western countries. It's always, you know, it's, it's Asia and, uh, being in Asia, being in, that was my first time in Asia and it was, it was, it was definitely a opening experience as far as, you know, we talk about being addicted to our, our devices and it's not even close. Really? Okay. Eric? I got nothing. It's just fascinating. Yeah, it, it really is. It's sort of this, so that that leads to sort of um or it doesn't at all but i'm just i think i'm you know having not been it god damn it that's fascinating shit um so were, did you did you use your phone more when you were there do you think or less when you were there uh well i mean less because i was on vacation and sort of you want to give it a break from um try to take a break from that stuff anyway yeah. but as far as um I mean, as far as like the reason we did it is because number one, it's very difficult, um, much more difficult than like Europe, say, to figure out where things are or ask questions or try to figure things out because um, the amount of English that's spoken is not nearly as much. Number one and number two, you can't read what is written on a sign like it doesn't make sense to you. Um, You can't even just you can't decipher it like you could maybe. Hey, I can sort of figure out what that is in Spanish or French or German or whatever. This is, you have no chance. Um, so that was the main reason is that if you wanted to, um, and, and, and the, and the way that we got around was all via, um, either Uber or what they have is called grab taxi, which is essentially Uber for the taxi companies use a service that is effectively Uber. Um, and that was the easiest way for us to, to get around, um, so we got it for that and, and mostly for the navigation because um, you just you need that immediate translation right away. Right. Um, but, I mean, I was on an island, Kotao, in the middle of um, in the middle of the Gulf of Thailand, and I had 4G. So and, and I can't even access 4G from my desk at work because of the building that it's in. So, you know, like it's just <laughs> the focus on. Look, they're behind in a lot of other things, but they are up to speed. <laughs> they're up to speed as far as wireless technology goes, and that was definitely not something I anticipated. Yeah, wow. I, I'm fat. Like I just, I just want to do an entire podcast about Thailand now, but uh, <laughs> I'm not. We're not gonna. So, but uh, so to to bring it back to to us, one of the again the motivating factor for Eric and I to do this podcast was. He and I both went back and looked at the the Apple keynote or 
Sure. What was was what was that? The Worldwide Developers Conference or whatever that was, the right. the Apple event that just happened, and I I specifically remember, you know, like Andy and I have done had did had done had did we did, Andy and I did, insophisticate podcast literally the afternoon of an Apple keynote or an Apple event talking and like we had just watched it live and we wanted to talk about it immediately and i think both eric and i like found out about the apple uh, the apple event probably on twitter i didn't know it was happening you know mm-hmm. did you did you guys know it was happening beforehand yeah i saw i saw something on twitter and i'd gotten a notification but i completely dismissed it and just forgot all about it and you know the later that afternoon it was was seeing headlines of things that were going on and yeah oh, yeah that's me. right i mean yeah like i pay attention to it because they are the company that they are but i don't own an apple device anymore so i don't have like uh i don't have like a dog in that fight um but you just sort of pay attention to keep track of where things are going just like you do maybe an e3 or somewhere like that too um but i don't there weren't like they're not like much must watch events for me like they maybe used to be yeah and so i you know, I came away thinking, and Eric and I talked about this a little bit. I honestly don't know what innovation in computing is going to be anymore. Like, I don't know. Like, so they took away a port. Uh, all right, well, I guess you know they took away the yeah. headphone jack. I, I suppose. Like, none of this seems. Well, I guess that tells you that they're lost for ideas too, in my opinion. I mean, that's what it says to me. Is right. that we don't know what direction we want to go in. Let's just take stuff away from you <laughs> but they, like we're going to make bluetooth which is a technology that's been around for a very very long time already right our main thing but because so, the three and a half millimeter jack is older than that and that feels old so we're not doing that anymore right i i don't know it just yeah it doesn't seem like they're articulating sort of a vision for the future but then the the in defense of them I don't know who is like what's a what's a device or a computing tool that you think this is a, this is clearly the direction that computers are going. This is a, a sort of bellwether thing where you're like, this is where computers are going, period. Anyone? I mean, as far as personal computing, we're at the point of incremental changes, I feel like. Um I mean, what what made Apple so great in the in to begin with was, well, at least in their most re recent resurgence, I guess, was is the iPhone because it was so revolutionary for the time. It was so far leaps and bounds ahead of every other smartphone that was on on the market, and they're well built. Um, you know, all the all those things that that Steve really put an emphasis on. And maybe that's part of why they haven't innovated in this new space is is because he's not there anymore. Um, but I feel like as far as personal computing, we're at an incremental stage. But I think there's a lot of things that we can use computing for that are very feel very old in terms of technology. So, you know, what Tesla is doing, what auto you know autopilot driving can and probably I think will be. You're using computing in another space that up until now was the same for pretty much the same for 
<laughs> 100 years. Like Eric mentioned Henry Ford before. It's like, sure, you know, the technology and the safety and all those things have changed. Um, but we want more tech in our vehicles. And the internal combustion engine is not, is not you know, it doesn't feel like the next, you know, we're, we've kind of tapped that technology out in a lot of ways. Um, so I think it's just seeing computing shifting to new industries or seeing it, um, you know, present itself in, in ways that we've been doing this, this the same way for so long, um, that we can now use computers to, to enter into that space. I, I feel like that's really where, um, I feel like that's really where it's headed, I guess. That, that seems to me like it makes the most sense. Eric? Yeah, okay. So, um Yeah, well, I'm on mute. Sorry. Oh. Uh I I I like the idea of the you mentioned the auto driving cars and I think that AI is going in that direction. I think these home these home units, Google Home, Alexa, they're all becoming more popular. You know, now we have you know, I've got a Mac in front of me, so we have Siri on the desktop now. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as that becomes more secure and more invasive is a bad word, but becomes more prevalent in our lives, I, I, I see it going that direction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think the 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 silence there is because I just think that we're at a point where I I don't have a sense of what's next. Like, do I think that the Apple Watch is what is going to replace watches? No, I don't. Do I think the Apple Watch is a really cool idea? Sure, I do, but. I mean, but this happens in every space, though, right? Right. I mean, think of like the think of whatever computer you're using right now. Yeah. This same thing that existed in 1995, it's just incrementally better than the previous one. It's just not. It's there's. It's not a new space. Like SSDs are significantly better than spinning hard drives, but it's effectively the same idea. Um, you know, so like we're making incremental changes in other spaces. It's just that's where technology gets to at a certain point and like i think the ramp of the smartphone was so fast that i think that's what's kind of throwing us off i mean the iphone was 2007 so in 10 years we were we basically said we're at a point of incremental change on a technology right that's pretty significant um you know we can make better we can make better batteries and we can make put better screens in and we can um you know do all those things um but I think it's just because it's happened so quickly and that device is such a it's such a was such a took everything by storm I think um there's I, I feel like we're to the point where there's like there's no real reason to have the next one or the new one when the old one is we're to the point where they're almost just as good you know they're not leaps and bounds ahead right um yeah. so I feel like I feel like that's kind of what you're saying I, that is what I'm saying because I honestly like I I got the iPhone seven because I had an iPhone six and so Eric had a seven plus right seven plus right so right. 
you know, like I really liked his, but I sort of really liked my six and I sort of thought, well, this is really great. And then what happened for me was it, it became a question of my AT&T bill. Like I was able to, to move my iPhone six to my sister-in-law and get an iPhone seven and still save myself $80 a month or whatever the godforsaken, you know, rip off job that AT&T's NXT plan is, you know, but I was able to do that. And so that was the reason that I made the switch to the seven and God knows the seven is cool, but I still don't really understand the button on my, on my iPhone. 7. <laughs> I just, yeah. I'm like, is it, it's like my niece is like, is this, she's six or she's seven now. She's like, is this a button? I'm like, I don't know, Sophie. It feels like a button, doesn't it? She's like, kind of sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like, uh, it's not going to be there in September. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but see, that's the deal. It's going to be there for me for two years. So I don't, you know, I, the most, the thing, the phone that I'm most excited about is the Nokia 105, the goddamn candy bar <laughs> phone. You know, like, what phone would Jason Bourne have? He would have that phone. <laughs> that's my measure of what the hell, you know? So, but yeah, I, you know, honestly, if I could find a Nokia 105 in America that I could put an AT&T SIM card in, I'm pretty sure that's what I would do. But and that's a horrible idea, but still, it looks cool to me, you know. Yeah, so I don't like I don't get the like the Samsung Edge thing. Like that seems like a proof of concept. Like yes, we can do this. And right. and the question for me as an old man is why, you know. But well, I'm, I guess the argument I'm making is that every technology, new technology, gets to gets to that place at yeah. some point. And if look if any of us could tell what the next space that's going to take off is, we better go do it now and then we don't have to do these podcasts anymore. Right, exactly. Yes, because exactly. If, <laughs> like, if I knew what that was, I, I don't think I'd be sitting here talking to you guys waiting around for it to happen. Right. Um, I think a lot of things can be done in the automotive industry. I think augmented reality has, a you know, um, where you're interacting with the actual real world. I, I, I think VR is cool, but I don't, I don't see it as I don't see it as something that really changes anybody's life. It doesn't make your it doesn't make it's cool in a video game sense, but it doesn't seem like it makes your life any more convenient. And honestly, those are the really transcendent products. So it feels to me like augmented reality is the next the next space. Yeah. Um how to implement that, I don't entirely know. Um but you know, I think I think Amazon's going to try a lot of cool things. I think um, in a lot of ways, you know, buying Whole Foods is saying, hey, the grocery store f- area feels old and stale to us. Um, let's see what we can do. I know the, vo- the video they posted of, um, you know, that sort of cashierless grocery store where you walk in and um, it scans your phone or whatever it is and knows that you're there and whatever you take out, it scans that on the way out and you're you pay for that. You don't have, um, you know, that, that feels like something that could potentially work to me. Um, innovation. It's simple, right? But it, it, it would shake up the industry so intently, intensely. Oh yeah. See, I, I having come out of the, the healthcare, the public health sector where I was for 10 years and the last five years of it, we were spent, we spent all of our time trying to work on, electronic health records and patient interaction and so we you know like i'm i was super excited about the space we were in sort of changing how patient health information is no longer owned 
by the by the providers or the hospitals, it becomes something that's owned by the patient. And then, you know, the the sort of interaction with the patient using a tool like this, uh, a HIPAA compliant video conferencing thing, which is really similar to that deal on my mom's Kindle Fire where she touches it and there's a video conference with somebody there. Like if you go to, uh, there's a company called VC, V-S-E-E, they make HIPAA compliant video conferencing tools. And we were using that to develop a sort of desktop, if you will, on our app, on our website. So the you would be able to, during the business hours, you would click on a, an icon and it would essentially Skype video call or VC video call a receptionist sitting at our desk or a provider sitting in the healthcare office and you would be able to have an interaction with them through that tool. And I thought this, and we always thought that this was the way to go. And it turns out we were right, you know, because other companies have done it since we all got mm-hmm. canned. But, you know, it's still that, that I, I think that where innovation is going to be is now using these tools for, you know, that space, enterprise space, healthcare space, that sort of stuff. I'm, I am truly fascinated by the, the news out of Apple talking about they're, they're going to invade or invest in, you know, electronic health records and patient health information and all of these tools because they've set a, they've set sort of a baseline for themselves. That's fascinating. So I'm really excited by that. Like, I, I think, I don't think, I think when I think about where technology can go next, I think about the things in everyday life that feel very old, that feel like we've been doing the same thing, this thing this way for the longest time. And I'm not saying it's Apple's charge to go into or any company's charge to go into these areas and look, right. continue to do what you're doing. That's very good. But by removing a headphone jack and telling me that you're going to sell me ear pods or you know, we're going to make this phone thinner despite the fact that you've never asked for it to be thinner and honestly probably would have it, would like it if it had more battery in it. That's not like, that doesn't get me excited. Right. Like that, that's great and that's really good for them and, and incremental changes are important, you know, because ultimately they, they, they get us places. But to me, that doesn't, you know, Amazon buying Whole Foods is a much better, a much more interesting thing to me. Um, I think about places that feel, you know, very, very, very old. And then I think grocery is one of them. I think, um, I think gas stations feel very old to me. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know what kind of technology we, we can throw into that space, but it's kind of been being done the same way that it's been done since, you know, <laughs> the lot for the longest time. It feels like a very, very old space. Um, I just feel like all those different kind of spaces that, um, just feel like we've been, why have we been doing it this same way for so long? And maybe it's just because that is the best, the best way to do it. Um, and that very well could be the case, but, uh, I think that's what companies entering those areas is what gets, gets me excited. You know, whether or not Amazon does drones, I like the idea of it. I like the idea that they're saying, Hey, this is a, this is something that we could do. Um, you know, whether or not it actually comes to fruition is, you know, dependent upon a lot of things, but it, it's things like that, you know, where you're saying, okay, this company's putting themselves out there to say like, Hey, this is something that we could do in the future. Um, 
and no one's going to forget it. No one's going to remember if drones don't happen. Right. Amazon's still right. here in years. Or, and that's, or the, to me, that's what that's what a country, the company that's really pushing it feels like. Or um, the Amazon not, Fire. Not, we're going to yeah. make a pencil that plugs into your iPad. Oh God, yeah. You know, <laughs> it, that that doesn't do anything for me. So. Yeah. Right. This the same like, yeah. Amazon. Amazon seems to take shots and miss just amazingly well. Like they shoot huge. Like the fire telephone what the fuck you know okay great and nobody seems to hold that against them or it also it's also the way their company is set up yeah it helps them yeah and it doesn't seem to damage their company one bit you know no it's that's that it must be nice to have that sort of you know economic wiggle room so but so hey one of the things i wanted to do in this podcast was talk a little bit about your home computer brad Okay. So you built, well, you built one, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, it's been about a year now. Um, I did a build, and I wanted something that I wanted to do since I was probably twelve years old. Um, back when I used to geek out on tech TV and stuff like that. Uh, when those tech when, TV, yes, yes, that was like yeah. my childhood right there. Um, yeah. So I was kind of when I geeked out back then, that was something I always wanted to do and just never got had the opportunity to do it until now. And um, I, I love it. I think it's it's fun. It's it's the, it's like a, it's it's a little bit of a hobby, you know, where it's like, um, you know, you're constantly kind of watching the next stuff that's coming out and you can make in- incremental changes to your own machine. And it's built custom to exactly what you want it. Um, and the thing is, with the Internet now and, and how easy it is to figure out how to i mean i just watched a youtube video that showed me how to build it you know i bought all the parts made sure that they're compatible watched somebody build one on youtube and i put mine together and it was you know you have one or two little hiccups here and there and you figure it out and that's it um what's the os that's running on it i have windows 10 yeah okay so um but yeah it was just something that i always wanted to do and it's a it's a fun it's fun. I, I like it. Um, so it just, it felt better, you know, and I, I've got a machine here that's, you know, um, it's cost the same as an iMac, but it's probably three times more powerful in terms of what it can do graphically and, and, and stuff and processing wise. And, um, so I think that was the other big thing for me is I was just like, this doesn't, you know, buying a Mac doesn't serve my need case anymore. Um, and they're very good at, Apple's very good at doing what Apple does. They're very good controlling their ecosystem, which I think is huge for them. They're very good at optimizing their stuff to work on underpowered machines, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and that, 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 that works very well for, I think it goes back to what I was saying before, is that it works very well for the majority of people that say, I need a Mac, I need a MacBook to do emails, you know, word process and run spread do spreadsheets and surf the web that's perfect because it's so well done on those machines they're perfectly optimized for those things but that's great for a large segment of the population but for somebody like me who is constantly trying something different or wants to try the next thing this seemed like it made the most sense to me like let me do this and see how i like it um and so i think I don't know. I, I I I have no intention of going going back anytime soon to anything pre-built. So. And your your mobile machine, you you bought a Chromebook. I don't. 
I have a Chromebook. Um, I just I don't use a laptop a lot. I don't when I when I'm not in the house, it's pretty much just my phone. So I bought. Um, I, I wanted to try that space, and I need that maybe to. You know, I brought my Chromebook to Thailand, and I needed it to check emails and pay a bill or two while I was gone, and that was it. You know, like, and that's perfectly fine for what I. It, it's just a little bit easier on some of those things on on desktop than it is um, over with a real keyboard than it is on mobile. But um, other than that, I don't. I don't have a need a need for a laptop. I'm sure it, you know a lot of people obviously do. So then, so then to to wrap up, what do you what do you predict the next? Anybody have a prediction of what the next thing is going to be? The next iPhone style shakeup in technology is going to be. Do you think it's a car? No. Okay. That's I a think, small. I think that's a small segment of people. That's why I say no. I think that not everybody can can jump in and get the iPod, get the iPhone, get the you know the latest whatever it is. The car is a much bigger purchase for a lot of people. So as far as a shakeup goes, Agreed. that might shake up you know shake up one portion of this industry, but it's not going to be a a game changer throughout so many different segments of. At least not quickly. I feel like right. you can, if you can, once you can make an electric car that works well, has a lot of range for thirty-five thousand dollars, which I guess they're trying to do, then maybe you see that segment change. But um, it's not as easy as I go down and pay twenty dollars a month to Verizon and I have this new new device. Right. So then we have. So then collectively, we have no idea what the next thing is going to be. Like I said, if I knew what the next thing was going to be, I probably wouldn't be talking to you guys. <laughs> I, I I think it's going to be the death of a lot of things that are very old. Okay, so um, we're okay, so then what dies next first? Um, well, you're already seeing it. I think think the idea. I mean, I read an article that said that a quarter of the malls in the United States will be closed within the next five years. Now, as something that existed that was such a part of culture f- for so long. To have the death of that be so swift because of places like Amazon and other e-commerce, that's huge. That's a huge, huge change in the American landscape. I mean, how many how many empty buildings are we going to see in different places? Um, I I honestly think that retailers that do not exist in a specific certain niche or work on an extreme amount of volume will disappear within the next 20 to 25 years. I think unless you've got a specific area that you're very, very strong in, or you sell absolutely everything, I think those companies are are doomed to go away, and you're already seeing it happen. Um, between sporting good companies and just those general department stores that never really had a, never really had like a specialty that they, you know, like Macy's Yonkers. just sold Macy's just sold stuff. Like they just had some of everything like they, you know, like where, where was the space to say like they have this niche that they didn't, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Like that department, the department store is not a thing. Um, you're either going to have to be a place that sells one specific type of product or you're going to be Target or Walmart where you sell just everything, anything that you can put in, put in those spaces. And in a lot of ways, Walmart and Target are being saved by grocery. So, 
when the grocery changes, you may see a lot of changes within those companies too. I think it's going to be the death of a lot of like old ways of doing things. Um, and you know, the, the companies that aren't the, the places that aren't being affected by Amazon are gas stations and grocery stores and car dealerships, like things that don't have a direct online translation yet. Um, Someone but takes I, but those spaces, foods, they won't. But this Whole Foods thing is very interesting because you say that Amazon isn't affecting the grocery stores yet, and I think that this is could yeah, be exactly. the catalyst. You know, and exactly. I think it could be the catalyst for a lot of things. I mean, they've denied that they're going to go the robotic route as far as checkout goes, but come on, it's Amazon. That's what they right. do. You know, yeah. and I think that once they do that, there's going to be a lot of big box retailers that are going to see the benefit of it and are going to start going in that direction you know places like looking at wasa you know you have walmart home depot you have lowe's in the area i mean these are the places that are going to benefit from getting rid of that manual labor force that manual workforce and replace it with these automated checkouts right think about um you know if if automated vehicles become a thing think about how that changes in terms of retail, you could have a truck from CVS that just makes house calls, <laughs> you know, right. like that drives around the neighborhood and is stocked with the top hundred SKUs that they probably have. And it appear, you know, it arrives there. Um, you know, you can already order your pizza on your phone with an emoji. Just right. wait until it can be delivered without somebody. Um, Look at the automated vehicle feel like the space fleet and what it could do to the, the post office. You or the trucking, yeah, any trucking things. companies. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, um, these are the things that are going to go away. I, I, I agree. I think it's going to be the, I think more so than this wild innovation is going to be the death of a lot of like things that feel very old. And I'm 27, and a lot of those things feel very old to me. I can only imagine what they feel like to somebody who's half my age. You know, why do we do it this way? Um, that that feels to me like that's where the next innovations are going to be is is radically changing um, things that just feel very, very stagnant or very old. Um, I don't know how you do that, but <laughs> we'll see, I guess. And for me, I, I think it becomes a biometric thing. You know, we've got fingerprint scanners now. There's a number of Samsung devices that have eye recognition. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's going to go that way. You have these, you look at Walmart, you have an automated checkout. You go in, you scan your thumbprint, you walk through, done. You don't even need to pull out your phone. You don't need to pull out a card, nothing. Well, if you look at sort of the way Walmart or the- specifically walmart pulls everything to itself so now if you go into walmart they you know they, there's healthcare in walmart there's tax preparation in walmart walmart has a banking operation that it handles all on its own like these giant companies just pull things to themselves and and kind of like we we're saying with skype they break off the things that they don't need and they keep the things that they that feed their supply chain and i think that that's fascinating Walmart is fascinating when you look at it sort of as something other than, you know, this monolithic monster that destroys everything. It's it's really quite quite interesting. So Right, but Walmart was the Amazon before Oh yeah. online. Oh yeah. That's what they are. 
They are, we will sell you absolutely everything for the cheapest price that we can probably get it to you. Yeah. Right. And that's what they were for brick and mortar. And that's why they were so successful. And then Amazon came and said, well, we can get it to you in a day or two days. Right. Or in some places, hours. Amazon is just the new Walmart, but it's, it's, it's online. Um, so I, it's, I, I, it's funny I, with I, that. And go when ahead. I'm saying that grocery is a big part of what those companies do to stay alive. There was a reason that a decade ago, every target got grocery in it. That, that wasn't like, because they felt like they could gain more market share in that area is because they, they need that. They need that to not get passed up and taken by e-commerce. So if Amazon is able to enter the grocery space and do something revolutionary there that makes grocery shopping much better experience than it currently is, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a big shot, you know, that's a big shot at, at places like Target and Walmart that half their building is that. It's, they survive a lot in a lot of cases on that, honestly. Yeah, that's right. So we've been going for about an hour, boys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say thank you both for, for taking part. And, uh, and it was awesome to have you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for having me, Dino. All right. Talk to you guys soon. I'm not wearing any pants. Film at 11. Just out of reach.